Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Uh, John's Gospel, Chapter 4. I'm starting a new series with you today called Intentional Living. Today I want to speak to you about a life on purpose. John 4, 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptised more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptise, but his disciples did. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And then this verse, verse 4, caught my attention some time ago. It says, And he, Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. In other words, there's uh, something that Jesus didn't initiate which is the Pharisees and their debates and their arguments, their controversies, if you like. Jesus didn't initiate those. They were outside swirling around. And so somehow rather out of that, Jesus says, I'm going to leave this place of argument and I'm going to go again into Galilee. And verse 4, let me read it to you again. It says, And he must needs go through Samaria. But a good observant Jew would have gone the long way around. Going through Samaria was not an option for a Jewish person who uh, was on a journey from one part of Israel to another. They believed that Samaria was populated by people that were unclean, that were defiled. And an observant Jew would have gone the long way around to being, avoid being contaminated by those people. And so when the Scripture says Jesus must needs go through Samaria, it wasn't because He was, you know, got to take a shortcut or because somehow or other there was some other reason. Jesus went there on purpose. There was a deliberateness, there was an intentionality to this verse that He must needs go through Samaria. Think about it for a minute with me and understand that everything in your life that you truly value, that truly matters the most to you, everything in your life that has the greatest impact will be the result of intentional living. I'll say it again. Everything that matters most in your life, think about it, whatever those things may be. For some of you, it'll be your family. For some of you, it'll be your health. For some of you, it'll be your dreams or whatever else. But everything in your life that matters the most and has the greatest impact will be the result of intentional living. There's no such thing as accidental love. Nobody loves by accident. Nobody does uh, any work of love or act of love. Well, I never even knew I was doing it. There's no accidental worship. You don't accidentally worship God or any other thing. There's no such thing as accidental generosity. If you are generous, there there has to be an awareness of what you're doing. I'm not talking about where you lose money and somebody else picks it up. That's not generosity, that's you losing money. When you are generous, it's because there is an intention behind your giving. You're aware of what you're doing. There's no accidental kindness. 
Now, you may do something and be unaware of the impact that it has, but for you to be truly kind, you have to mean that you have to intend to do that. There's no accidental miracles. There's no accidental excellence. Nobody is excellent by accident. Well, I just happen to be amazing. I happen to do my best. I don't know why. It must be in the genes. That's not correct. There's no accidental harvest. Harvest does not occur naturally anywhere on the earth. It has to be an intentional thing. Now you're saying to me, oh no, trees will fruit all by themselves. I would say to you, that's true. But I'm not saying is there fruit, I'm saying is there harvest. And is there a multiplication and an abundance? We don't expect the farmer to go out and look at the crop waving there in the spring breeze and say, well, I wonder where that came from. We understand that the farmer, he or she absolutely knows where it came from because they were intentional in preparing the ground and planting the seed and nurturing what's there. The truth is that there's no, listen to me, there's no accidental blessing in your life. Now, there may be things that turn up at unexpected times, but I will tell you again that there's something you've done that has produced that. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, she got healed, but the Bible says that she pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. For she said, if I may touch but the hem of his clothes, I shall be made whole. Blind Bartimaeus, a few chapters later in Mark 10, cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd all told him to stop. They said, be quiet. But he cried out the more until finally Jesus stopped at the sound of this man's persistence and he receives his sight. The leper in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, he was a leper. There was thousands of them. But he came and fell at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me whole. Jesus said, I will be cleansed. The Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15, she pressed Jesus. Matter of fact, she argued with Jesus. You must set my daughter free. He said, I'm not sent to you. You're not a part of the covenant people. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. And Jesus said, great is your faith. And her daughter was healed from that self same hour. What about Mary, the mother of Jesus? who pressured Jesus when he said, my time has not yet come at that great wedding in Cana of Galilee. The very first miracle Jesus did was the result of someone else's intention that Mary said, turns to the servants, whatever he says to you, just do that. So there's no accidental blessing in your life. I know that's difficult sometimes for 21st century Christians. Because we want a God who just goes before us and smooths out the way. We want a God that requires nothing of us, but He just so much loves us. He just wants to pour it out. And even if you do nothing, well, He'll just do it anyway. But the Bible teaches an intentional life, an intentional living. The truth is that intentional living must step out of complacency and must step out of inertia, the tendency to stop, to slow down, to pause, to give up, to give in. 
but intentional living steps out of complacency and out of inertia and out of familiarity, what we're used to. And it always takes steps towards the answer. It's always easier to stay where you are. It's easier to say to the guests at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, hello, you've all drunk it all already, too bad. Sorry about that, we'll bring some water in. Mary's got a different spirit. And Mary says, you know what? We're not staying in complacency. We're not staying in familiarity. How many people have ever run out of food or drink or some other thing? It's common enough. And we make excuses. Sorry, we've run out of that. And yet Mary says, you know what? I don't care how normal it is for that to happen. She says, whatever he says. Intentional living steps out of complacency. It's always easier to put up with the problem. But intentional living says I've had enough of complacent living. I've had enough of passivity. Third thing I'd say is this, that intentional living turns accidents into opportunities. Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And everybody else looks around and goes, you know what, he can't take the pressure. The Pharisees are on the warpath and they were the power brokers of their day. They carried great power. They could go right before the Roman governors. They could have your life taken. That's what happens when, when uh, the Pharisees and the rulers go before Herod and go before Pilate and say, he ought to die. And that's what happens. Why? Because they had power. And people may have looked at Jesus and thought, why is he running away? And then he's got to go, I'm going to go through Samaria. And you know the disciples are going, what on earth is he doing? But you know, intentional living, if you live like that, has got a marvellous way of turning accidents into opportunities. You know, people have said to me over the years, you know, when they hear about a miracle or something that happens, and they go, oh, well, you know, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, it, would, it might have happened anyway. And my response has always been the same, which is this. I'm always amazed how many coincidences happen to people that pray. Isn't it marvellous? How many good things keep happening in the lives of followers of Jesus? Isn't it marvellous how when we live an intentional life of faith and vision, somehow or other, you know, the Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And He delights in His way. The Bible over and over again talks about the journey of your life. And it says that God's got blessing planned along the way for you. He's got stuff in store for you. And it's incredible if you live a life of intentionality. It's marvellous how so many coincidences. Like I read a lot of books and a lot of my science stuff and I was reading one this weekend. And, you know, evolution always comes up. And I'm not here to argue evolution, but I'm just always amazed at the incredible amount of coincidences that have to take place you know, for all this to happen, you know, and how remarkable it is, you know, that if the content of so many minerals on the earth were just out by 0.1 of a percent, you wouldn't exist. That all these things, if the earth was, you know, despite all of our vast science, we've yet to find anywhere else. Intentional living turns accidents into opportunities. I just happened to meet that person and I got the job. 
Isn't that incredible? How often that happens? You know, I was praying about this problem and the next day at work, somebody was talking about that, that, that. And I went, wow, really? Because they don't always turn up with neon signs shouting miracle, miracle, miracle. Sometimes they turn up just looking very odd. Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And they're walking there and it's just as dusty and just as dry and just as hot as any other day they walk. And the disciples are going along like, oh, like I don't know, like goofy. I wonder why we're going here. I have no idea. Why do you think we're going here? I'm blown if I know. I haven't got a clue. I'm just following Jesus. And so they follow Jesus and they get there. And then John 4, Jesus says this in verse 5, Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, watch this, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. He's not brimming with energy. He's not going, wow, I'm here with incredible purpose and vision. He's just tired. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime and soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water. This is one of those encounters that looks like an accident, but he must needs go through Samaria. Thank you, brother. I'm doing my best. But here comes Jesus sitting at this well, tired. But God turns an accident into an opportunity for the people that live intentionally. Let's read on verse 39 of John, that same chapter. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman, the accident, Because the woman, the coincidence, because the woman, this serendipitous meeting place around Jesus' tiredness, because the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Watch this. So he stayed for two days in Samaria where no other Jew would ever go. He stayed there long enough for many more to hear the message and to believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. Can I say to you that if you will live intentionally, God will make sure that there are some of those kind of coincidences. There'll be some of those kind of conversations. You'll have them with someone at work and you'll think, I didn't really say much. But they'll say to you later, that was the thing that turned it around. That kind of moment, that kind of thing. Uh, You'll hear tonight in Faith, Hope and Love, Anna's going to tell us the story of Lula, who runs one of our connect groups there in Albania. And her daughter's friend from school was facing this incredibly uh, expensive operation, 20,000 euros, I think it was. Something like that, well beyond their ability to pay. But you know, when Lula hears about it, instead of just going, oh, well, 
Instead of just going, oh, well, she goes, you know, why don't we pray? I'm always amazed that more people won't pray first because they think, yeah, but it mightn't happen. I go, well, it certainly won't happen if you don't. You may as well. So Lula goes and prays with this girl. They take her to the hospital the next day or so and the doctors can't find whatever it was. It's completely disappeared out of her body. And all that money is now no longer needed. Why? Because somebody had a divine accident that turned into an opportunity. What need are you hearing about at work? And you could just say to somebody, you know what, I'd love to pray for you. Our church will pray for you. Can I put your name on the prayer list? I've never had anyone say no. Intentional living turns accidents into opportunities. Some of you here that know your Bible will recognise that later on in in the book of Acts, we are told that uh, Philip goes down to Samaria. Where? To Samaria. They're scattered again because of persecution, a problem. You say to me, Jeff, aren't you worried about all the changes that are happening in our world right now? How is the church going to go? I'll tell you what. I'm not worried about because I read my Bible and because Acts chapter 8 tells me that even if persecution comes and the believers are scattered and there's restriction all around about, that God will just simply use that restriction to further the kingdom of God, to bring about a great move of God. I believe the best days of the church are not the ones back there of great conferences. They're the ones in front of us of great conversions and transformations of people's lives to give their heart to Christ. Amen. But it's amazing how many of those things happen if you'll just simply go, I'm going to live an intentional life. That means Jesus never got there and go, I wonder where I can find a Samaritan woman. I wonder where the Samaritan woman, disciples, fan out, let's scout the world. Can we find a disciple, a, a, a Samaritan woman who's got brokenness in her life? I feel like, can you make sure she's by a well? Why? Well, I've got this amazing story. I'm going to talk about how I'm the well of life and I've really got to find something. They never sent out the talent scouts. It's just happened. Amazing. Here's the fourth thing. Intentional living always encounters resistance. David never got criticised until he declared victory over Goliath. Joseph was celebrated until he told his brothers, you're all going to bow down to me. I've got a vision from God. It's going to be awesome. Jesus had thousands and thousands of followers until he talked about accomplishing his death. John 6. And it says this, John 6, 66. 666, cube, spooky music. It says, and many walk no more with him. Why? Because when you start living intentionally, you know, I, I actually think that when you make Jesus Lord of your life, when you say to him, Lord, I'm going to follow you. You know, the devil cares very little about passive Christians and complacent Christianity. I don't think he's bothered by Christians who just go, well, you know. One day when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, in the meantime, I'll just be a veg. I don't, I, think, I don't think that's the words. I don't think the devil is too concerned about passive Christians, complacent Christianity, but he is frightened and terrified of faith and vision. And now I know somebody will say hearing this, 
Yeah, but Jeff, that's Jesus. We expect that stuff to happen to Jesus. And I'm definitely not Jesus. I'm totally not in the same league. I'm not capable of that. That wouldn't happen for me. I'm just a nobody. I hope you don't think like that, but you might. That's why I want to read to you Genesis chapter 24, verse 27, where the servant of this great master, Abraham, has been sent out to find a wife for his daughter, for his son rather. Gone sent out to find a wife. And he sends him out and this guy again accidentally happens to go again to a well. Some of you are going to go out this week and just start looking for wells. Is there a well? If there's a well, I'm going to sit here for a while and see what happens. Listen to what he says, the servant, when they ask him, how did all this come about? He said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I, being in the way, the Lord led me. Here is this guy. He's not the boss. He's not the spiritual leader. He's not the one who heard the voice of God say, get out of your father's house and go into a land. He's just a servant. We don't know his name. He's just there. And yet he says this. He said, because I was on purpose, good things happened. Because I lived an intentional life, God led me. You know, I used to hear the will of God spoken about by preachers as though it was this tiny, narrow knife edge. And that if you dared to even think anything wrong or out carnal or natural, that you were out of the will of God. I actually think the will of God's a lot harder to get out of than it is to get into. I think if you are born again, I think that if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're in the will of God. I think coincidences and accidents will happen for you. I think all we've got to do is have eyes that will see them. And can, let me just finish by saying it like this. Because see, the disciples turn up. Let me read it to you in John 4. Because the disciples turn up. Let me turn to it. Paper Bible. I know it's a strange thing. Verse 27, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The disciples are in the same place as Jesus. They don't see a divine opportunity. They're just seeing the whole thing is just, well, who knows why we're here? See, Jesus had a different set of eyes to the disciples. That's where we get that great passage in verse 35. Lift up your eyes, he says to the disciples, and look, for the fields are white in the harvest. They saw a despised land, a place no one wanted to go. Jesus said, I see opportunity. I see divine purpose right here. Can I pray for you right now, just wherever you are? Can I ask you just wherever you are? If you would, just right now, whether you're at home, part of this, you're in a an oil platform somewhere or other, gas platform, whether you're in your study or somewhere else, you're here in the building with us, wherever you are. I want you to say to Jesus today, Lord, I'm going to live for you. 
Just tell him, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to let you make my steps sure. I'm going to let you take me to places. Then I want to pray that God will open our eyes so we'll be more like Jesus and less like the disciples. We'll get to places and hear conversations instead of just going, oh, well, typical. We'll say, Lord, is this a moment for you? Is this some place where I'm meant to have an opportunity, not an accident? Father, as we sit before you right now, every single one of us dreams of being led by you. That's our, one of our greatest joys and desires is that we won't live a normal, natural, everyday kind of life. We'll live a supernatural, God-called kind of life. I thank you, Lord, for all the times right across these people, all the times, Lord, where you have done those kind of John 4 things where we found ourselves in a conversation or in a circumstance and situation that we didn't initiate, but it turned into a divine moment and you got the glory as a result. Father, give us eyes to see. Would you open our eyes today, Lord? Would you help us to see the things that you see? Would you help us, Lord, to turn our life and our intention over to you? We thank You, Lord, for leading us. We thank You for guiding us. We thank You for this season where right now we look ahead and we say the fields are white under harvest. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Some of you that are part of the service because it happens every single week and it's never a small thing, it's never a little thing, but some of you will say, Jeff, I don't know if I'm a Christian. You might have been raised in a church home or believing home or You've got a grandma or a loved one, someone who was out and out for God. Or maybe you're just like a lot of people have been here. You've never grown up with that. You just don't really know much about God at all. And yet there's something inside of you that keeps telling you there's something more than this. There's got to be it. There's something inside of you that keeps prodding you towards God, no matter what you hear said or the negatives that maybe pop up, you just go, yeah, but I don't know, there's something there. The Bible says that God stands at the door of your life and He knocks on it. Revelation 3 verse 20, stands at the door and knocks. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to them. He said, and I'll live with them. Being a Christian is not joining a church, writing your name on a piece of paper, being a Christian He's saying to Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash away my past. I want, to, I want to walk with you. I want to walk in everything you have for me. That's what a Christian is. If you've never done that, I'd love to help you. I'd love to pray with you right where you are. You'll see come up on the screen if you're there with us on metrochurch.online. Here, it'll be up here on the screen for you as well. Text yes to that number 488 or go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. You say, Jeff, would it, would it be that easy? Yeah, it would be because that three-letter word, yes, signifies what you're doing in your heart. It's not magic. It's you saying, Jesus, I want you. Here, I'm going to let them know. Well, we won't know all your details unless you come and meet us. But what we will do is we'll make sure we help you. We'll make sure that we encourage you along the journey. 
So if you give us your yes, even though it's just your phone number or your email address, the next day we'll send you a Bible verse and a prayer different every day for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you want, but hardly anyone ever has. They just love that. You can ask questions on that same space and we'd be doing our best to help you. Would you do that? 0488-826-392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au We'd love to receive your yes in Jesus' name. Amen. That'd be so good. Father, help them. Help those people wherever they are. Lord, I don't know. I don't know the crowd. I don't know where people are online or whatever, but I feel like there's people there today, Lord. And they've been waiting for this moment. All of a sudden, it makes sense. All of a sudden, they're going, now I get it. Lord, this is going to be the first day of their born again life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to share communion together this morning before we finished. And Michael Parther, one of our great young leaders, I introduced him to you before, creative and the all-in night this Tuesday. Michael's going to come and lead us. So team, if you'd like to come and serve everyone, uh, if you are wanting to join with us, you're most welcome to. Just take the cup and the bread that when everyone's been served, we'll all eat and drink together as a family of God. Here's Michael. Two, eight, there we are. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Thanks, Leo. Luke 22, verse 19 to 20 says, And he took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. Communion is a time for us to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. The sacrifice and the love and the blood that was shed just for us. You know, just like, um, just like you know, we eat and drink to, to survive, we need to remind ourselves every day of what Jesus did so we can actually grow spiritually as well. You know, these, I guess the bread and, and the juice are just physical representations of Jesus' love. And uh, for us, another way for us to just acknowledge who Jesus is and what He has done in our lives. So church, why don't we stand for a sec as, as soon as you've been served. Um, today you may be feeling, you know, unworthy, whether that be, you know, you know, saying, God, I've, I've done some things this week that, you know, haven't been, you know, up to standard or may, maybe you haven't spent as much time with God. Maybe you've been, you know, let's, let's be honest, lazy or whatever it is, right? It all happens. We've all been there, right? And... Maybe you're going, oh, maybe I'm, I'm not worthy for God's love. I'm not worthy for, you know, this moment. Or, you know, I've said some things. I've done some things, Michael. But it, it's that very thing that makes us worthy, actually, of, of receiving His love. Because all we have to do, church, is come to Him and say, God, I receive Your love. I receive Your goodness. I receive Your grace. You know, Tim Keller said this. He said, the irony of the gospel is that the only way for uh, it to be worthy is to admit that you're completely unworthy. Right? And so in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in gladness of my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. Come on, church. 
as why don't we begin to just reflect of Jesus' love, reflect what He has done for you. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for the cross that You shed Your blood just for us, Father, so that we could be in hold with You, Lord Jesus. We could be in relationship with You, Lord Jesus. Father, we surrender our lives. We surrender our families. We surrender everything that we're going through, Lord Jesus. The seasons that may be high or low, Lord Jesus. Father, we surrender our brokenness. We surrender our our struggles, Father. We surrender the parts that require healing, Lord Jesus. We surrender our minds that require us to just focus on You, Lord Jesus. We thank You for the cross. We thank You for what You've done for us. And as we take this bread and we take this cup, Lord Jesus, we remember that we made new and we're in relationship with you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink, church. Oh, we stand and worship. Thanks, team.
beautiful. Fantastic. That's so good. Isn't it great? I can hear you all sing so well. Now that you've just lost the muffler. How cool is that? Hey, listen, if you know someone who needs church, why don't you ask God this week, Lord, I'm going to live intentionally. I'm going to have my eyes open, my ears open. I'm going to hope, Lord, that you're going to use me this week. I'm hoping, Lord, that I'm not hoping, I'm believing, God, that there's something great going to happen in my life and through my life. Now, Pastor Rhonda's already gone out because she's out there. Apparently, there's a table for the movie night. So if you want to register for that, Go out and talk to her out there. She'll make sure we get your details. Save you a seat for the booth up here on the big screen. It's like cinema, man. It's just awesome. Pastor Ray and Kate, are you going to pray for people this morning? Thank you. I just would so love that. You know, Pastor Ray and Kate have many, many years of ministry. And I know God has used them in incredible ways bringing miracles. Remember what I said? There's no accidental miracles. you got to do something. And if you like prayer, they'll be here in the front row to pray with you. I pray that you'll have an amazing week, that you'll just be a gorgeous Christian. Amen. God bless you all. See you somewhere soon. Thank you. Thanks, team.